Hi, this is Day for Night with Caridad Switch, a series that looks at the intersection between theater and poetry in the wilderness, in the edgelands. In today's episode, I'm going to be reading from just some work in progress, untitled, uh, very new, hot off the presses, as they say. Um, just something I want to try out, and you know, it may lead to a bigger piece. Um, and I think in the spirit of this podcast, which has, for a lot of this season, has been devoted to a series of lectures that I've given on writing um, and thinking through concepts and drama and theater, uh, interspersed with new work and with the reading works by others. Uh, I wanted to circle back after a couple of episodes, more than a couple of episodes where it's been mostly um, not entirely theoretical, but somewhat theoretical uh, to just get back to sort of the bones, right? The bones of the work, which is the writing itself. So this is something new and uh, again, untitled. Um, Right now, the it's in a voice of a character, and their name is Taylor, but that name could change, uh, and you'll see why in, in a second. Um, I'll give no other context around this, just see how this goes. A friend tells me they want to see me. Dinner. Casual. It's been a long time. I haven't really seen anyone in what feels like an age. I'm not a hermit. I just don't see the point after a while. Casual friendships, social climbing, small rifts and quiet tides of long nights spent analyzing the merits of the vestiges of bread, cheese, and wine. There are more important things to do in the world. Friendships can wait. But this friend, let's call them Joan or Marcus, are insistent. Something about news. Oh, the news. Wait till I tell you the news. I can't bring myself to feel joyous at their bubbly nature. I'm not one of those people that jumps for joy. Not even when everyone was dancing in the street. Remember that day? I think it was a Friday, maybe it was a Saturday. Sunny, bright, feeling of hopefulness in the air. I walk out and the entire neighborhood is dancing, skipping, honking horns, general revelry. They were celebrating. Something about New World Order, something about the good guys winning and the demise of all the bad ones. It was festive. I'm not going to lie, I smiled a bit too. I almost skipped quietly inside my heart, because I am skeptical by nature. I don't really believe there are good guys when it comes to politics. It's more like wildly corrupt or moderately corrupt. Basically, I think most politicians are liars. The friend, though, we could also call them Artie or Felicia, if Jonah Marcus doesn't take, believe the concepts of good and bad when it comes to politics. They put their trust in their fellow people. 
into all the things associated with gaining that trust, uh, voting, obviously, canvassing, calling people, sharing truths gleaned from the few that report it anymore. All the conventional things that were once done in society. I say to them, Magda or Pip, because sometimes Joan, Marcus, Artie, or Felicia don't cut it, such things are ultimately futile because they are using you. Gasp. Magda or Pip don't want to hear about callousness, even in this day and age. They are an optimist. They think the wrongs of the world can be fixed through solid, honorable legislative action and lots of chanting. They used to protest back in the day before the wars. They would stand for hours to uphold the concepts of truth and justice. They were a noble sort. I envied them. I simply didn't have the guts. Crowds make me nervous, all those smells and sweat. It's very unappealing, especially afterwards when you come home to your barely furnished digs and have to wash everything in cold water and watch the cycle spin under the fluorescent light of the laundry room in the basement. I told Artie or Felicia, oh, one day I hope to live in a place that has a washer and dryer inside the apartment. They laughed, as if I were being bourgeois. I said to them, I am bourgeois. I am the epitome of the middle class, or what's left of it. I crave middle-class objects like a washer and dryer and a nice dining table and a bureau. I have always wanted a bureau in which to put things. Ron and Marcus look at me askance, as if they were ashamed of me. Perhaps they imagine I was less middle-class than I am. Perhaps they fancied me to be one of the last bohemians. When I could have told them bohemia died a long time ago, it went the way of big tech, self-improvement ideology, and casual fascism. The collective is dead, long lived the individual. Organized abandonment is the order of the day. The Magdar Pip think I am exaggerating. They think I'm prone to episodes. You must get help, they say, Taylor. You must seek out a wellness retreat. Donor Marcus can say this because... They own bureaus, two or three of them, <clears throat> made of fine wood. I saw them in the apartment where they used to live on the other side of the city. I ran my finger over the grain of the wood and wondered what the forest they came from once must have been like. And then this is Joan or Marcus. Taylor sits on the other side of the table. They don't really want to be here. They would rather be in their barely furnished apartment licking their wounds. I had to drag them out. I had to make a fuss. You can't stay away from people forever, I said. Taylor resents being here. They are not a dinner person. They despise to chat, and they have no patience for the relentless restaurant charade of servers going from table to table, filling glasses of still water all evening. At least we're outside, Taylor says, and the weather is moderately agreeable. I tell them my news. They should be happy at my news, especially when happiness is in short supply in the world these days. But instead, they say, 
Joan and Margaret, you are killing me with your words. I am shocked. I have a right to be shocked. My news is hopeful, maybe even joyous. It promises new beginnings. And given that we are a few years into the end times, one would think that news of new beginnings would be met with at least a modicum of alacrity. Taylor lashes out. They futz with the glasses, the water spills, they are making a scene. They don't know how to be with people anymore. I am worried about them. We were good friends once. We used to call each other every once in a while and speak about things. I let them know in uncertain terms that we will see each other some other time. They wince, as if I have hurt them. I'm not sorry. I have nothing to be sorry about. I am a good person. I'm one of the good people that are left in this world. Taylor should be grateful for my existence. They pretend that they're lashing out is merely about something else. My patience has its limits, but I wear a kind face. A little kindness goes a long way. Taylor fumbles. They search in their pockets. They're looking for proof of something. When the crows come, and peck at the ground with their hungry beaks. I hope they take Taylor with them. Taylor looks at me, slightly at a loss. I wish they would stop pining for an in-unit washer and dryer. They are a waste of electricity. And those are two sections from just something new uh, that I'm working on, uh, seeing how it will develop in time. Uh, but um, I am uh, curious about it myself and want to keep sort of moving forward in these musings. Uh, so uh, this is today's episode. Uh, as always, this is about you and I in this theater. You there in the dark and I here wondering where you are. Thanks for listening. Today for night.